Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab Europe is a 2023 winner at the Ryder Cup. It was eventful, Rex. I would argue for about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Ultimately, Wikipedia will remember this as yet another home field blowout. Five-point victory. 16.5 Europe, 11.5 USA. Before we get into breaking down Sunday, before we get into breaking down the week, we do have to button up exactly what went down on Saturday night with Roy McIlroy, Joe LaCava, and Jim Bones Mackay. I talked to Roy McIlroy after he finished his singles match, a 3 and one victory over Sam Burns. He was still pissed. He was still fuming. He was still steaming, still believed that what uh, Joe LaCava did on the 18th green was disrespectful and he was not backing down in any case what we do know now 24 hours later the benefit of hindsight is that he was not mad at jim moans Bakai. as roy said afterward he was literally just the first american he saw roy was so upset afterward he was actually going to go in the u.s team room is this water under the bridge is roy being a sore winner where does the beef lie because this was really to me one of the defining moments of this Ryder cup exactly what happened on saturday Wow, what a weird way to start. Okay, never mind that Europe won the Ryder Cup. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just say I feel like I'm going to take a, a little bit of a victory lap because on social media, I, I really got called out the last 24 hours because having been there when Rory did his yelling at Jim Bones Mackay and the way I reported it was, this wasn't about Bones being the problem. I really believe that Bones was trying to play peacemaker, and it seems like he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, there was a bit of a Zabruder film element to this that everyone was saying that, no, 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 he wasn't yelling at Bones. He was yelling past Bones at Joe LaCava. And I tried to repeat this over and over and over again, including the colleagues that who I like and I admire, but they didn't want to listen. Joe LaCava was not there. He just happened to be uh, Bones was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I, no, I don't think this is sour grapes. I think it was bad form. For Joe LaCava, and I like him a lot, man. I think he's one of the best in the business. I think he's just a wonderful human being. We work with his daughter at the Golf Channel. I think she's fantastic. His wife is a lovely woman. But, no, he was over the top. And turns out he was over the top on the 17th and the 18th hole, from what Rory said after his round. And it it is unacceptable. But you get those emotions in this event. I I think that's the beauty of this event. They're going to work it out. Like, I don't know if Patrick Cantlay and Rory work it out. I don't think Rory's really worried about that. But he and Joey 
we'll work it out. They'll, they'll come to some sort of agreement and they un- they'll understand that, look, this was wrong. I should not have done that. But man, this is what makes the Ryder Cup great. Like you and I feasted on it now for 24 hours and we'll continue to feast on it. I agree. We don't want less of this animosity. If anything, we want more of it. We're in the content business. Like this was absolutely great content for the past 24 hours. I, I'm with you in regards to Joe Lacava. It was a rare blemish in what has been an unparalleled and essentially a spotless career and reputation on the bag at this point for various players, including, of course, Tiger Woods. The reason why I want to start with Rory and that incident was because it, it galvanized, according to Rory, the European team heading into Sunday. That was kind of the debate on Saturday night. Does this do more for the Americans, kind of rallying them up, giving them a chance, or does it, does it, does it piss off and galvanize the European team? It was essentially a split, right? Like the exact same margin of victory is what we had on Saturday night, but it certainly fired up Rory. Not that he needed any extra motivation, but it refocused him. Uh, he came out guns blazing. Uh, Paul Azinger said in the telecast he thought Roy McRoy uh, could come out flat. The exact opposite was the case. He was once again emotional, this time uh, two years after crying because of the poor performance at Whistling Straits. This time he was crying for entirely different reasons. The best Ryder Cup Roy McRoy has ever had in the clear MVP for this European Ryder Cup team. What did you write on Sunday night for NBCSports.com slash golf? What was your big takeaway from this Ryder Cup? Well, you just stole my lead. You just stole the Wikipedia lead. We were talking about that no less than an hour ago, and clearly it was in your head, so I appreciate you doing that. Thank you very much. Uh, it, It is funny. Like, five years from now, someone will look this up and look at Wikipedia, and they'll just roll their eyes and be like, oh, another blowout. And as you pointed out, I think you're giving me the benefit of the doubt just because I, I want to take some literary license with my story tonight. Maybe it was closer to 30 minutes that sort of the air was sucked out of the room. I, I thought, ask Zach Johnson, specifically, when did you feel like there was hope? And he referenced Jordan Spieth coming down the stretch. I think Jordan made a big putt on the 15th hole. That There was a moment when, look, it was such an uphill climb for the Americans to try to come back. It would have been historic. No team has ever come back from that big of a deficit. And he knew what he needed to do. And I think both of us should take a bit of a victory lap that if you look at what we did last night, our little fun and games with the draw, it almost went to plan. Did it not? I mean, I think, I think both of us had Tommy Fleetwood winning the cup. I don't think either one of us had him winning the cup the way it actually played out. I think both of us had three of the first four matches going to the Europeans and and that's the way it played. And then things got tight, a lot of red on that board. And I think it was much closer than we're going to, sort of be able to wrap your mind around five years from now when you when you look it up on Wikipedia. But that's the beauty of this event. Even with that historic margin and having to climb such a steep hill, it just gives you hope. And, and sometimes it snatches it away in a very, very painful way. But it seems like you're never out of it going into Sunday single. Sort of the design of that, that there's 12 points up for grabs and anything could happen. You did look at me. I think we were sitting uh, behind the eight, uh, 17th green when Rory had finished up his round. And I was like, well, they just need a half point. And you had a very concerned look on your face. I wouldn't say it was concerned. I don't have a rooting interest either way. As journalists, we want both. We want one of the two extremes. We either want a nail-biting thriller or we want complete and utter destruction, embarrassment, humiliation, uh, just complete dominance, essentially what we saw two years ago at Whistling Straits. It wasn't concern in any Chaos. sense. It was, it was 
I, I think there was there was a chaos angle still very much alive. When you looked at the board, uh, you had Jordan Spieth, who, who was one up at that point after the, the uh, win on 15. You had Tommy Fleetwood and Bob McIntyre, two players who have yet to win on the PGA Tour, who have had their share of close calls and were unable to get in in kind of that penultimate and the anchor position against Ricky Fowler and the U.S. the reigning U.S. Open champion, respectively. Like, yes, there w- there was a a a window of opportunity that the Americans could have. Seen. And credit, I think, goes to the Europeans for for slamming that door. It was again. This was thirty minutes. This was forty five minutes. I think the bigger point, Rex and Shan Ryan uh, of Golf Digest was the one who poised it to Zach Johnson. Do we have a home course blowout problem when it comes to the Ryder Cup? We have not had a close Ryder Cup. Wikipedia, on the ground or otherwise, since Medina. And as everyone knows, that was 10-6 heading into Sunday singles. That probably should have been uh, a blowout as well had the Americans done some things differently with their lineup on Sunday. So you are totally dismissing the fact that we do not have a home course blowout, that the setup for these golf courses has gotten too far leaning to the home team, that the visitors do not stand a chance to actually stage an upset. Why Why do you possibly have that belief? Because I'm starting to think we need an independent body to come in here and make sure that, that this that this can this can be close. I think Beth Page is going to be yet another route this time for the Americans. I have about an hour and a half train ride tomorrow morning with Bunkmate to Florence, and I'm going to use that time to come up with a concept it, to sort of correct what you're saying here. I don't think there's a USA Ryder Cup problem. I don't think there's a European team Ryder Cup problem, and you probably probably would have had that conversation two years leaving Whistling Straight. There is a bit of a bias when it comes to home versus away, and I do have some thoughts on how you can bring that gap closer together, and I think that's what I'm going to try to write tomorrow. One of them, I think, is what you're going to end up writing tomorrow, and it's one we can easily fix. Like We're not going to be able to fix Scotty Scheffler's putting. There's nothing we can mandate about that. We can't script that one, but what we can do is get the dates right, and I think it was Jordan Spieth who said it tonight in the press conference that yes, in a perfect world, we're playing the Ryder cup either two weeks after the Ryder cup, or I mean, after the tour championship or three weeks after the tour championship, they had five weeks off and you can talk about scouting trips and the two guys that played in Napa on the PGA tour. And of course one played in a live event, but I don't know who said it, but no one's taking five weeks off before a major championship and expecting to be at their very best. No one, anyone not named Tiger Woods, and it, it was a bad scenario. And the U.S. team tried to dismiss it, but it was a huge factor here. There's other things that factor into this. I, I argue, and I'm going to argue tomorrow for a follow for NBCSports.com backslash golf, that you can also point out that let's take course setup completely out of both sides' hands. Let's, let's let a neutral body. And it's easy. The fix is in. You can have the USGA, USGA do it in the United States and the RNA do it in Europe, and so that takes sort of that bias. Do like PJ Tour Austria. Do like PJ Tour Aust- Australasia. Yeah. Like have a completely neutral body. Like just just use them. And I've got some couple ideas. And I guess the, I was talking with Guy Kinnings walking down the, the 18th fairway today. You know, as we were waiting for this thing to finish up, and I kind of posed the question to him. He runs Ryder Cup Europe, and he, I said I don't know if there is a problem because maybe this is just the lens that you and I and journalists look at the world through that if thing um, we're playing the result and we're trying to find a fix for that result and maybe this is the way it should be i thought rory had a great answer when kind of asked somewhere about this he didn't talk about fixes or problems he said that no the greatest accomplishment 
in golf is winning an away Ryder Cup, and they're winning two years from now in Beth Page, which is pretty bold when you consider, like, man, Whistling Straits wasn't that long ago. And you guys didn't exactly close out with dominance today. I mean, it looks like it, but there were openings. If you take Black Friday out of the mix for the U.S. team, if they get one or two more points, just one or two more points, if they don't sort of spit the bit in those last three four-ball matches and end up with ties when they were leading pretty convincingly coming down the stretch, we're talking about, talking about a much different outcome here. But it's so difficult to go over and that is win and things you just mentioned that you could be looking at a different outcome here. Is it is it not if you didn't have Black Friday? Well, they got swept on Friday morning. What's the reason they got swept? Most likely, most likely theory, thesis, whatever you want to call it, is the fact that they were competitively rusty. When the Europeans, many of whom played at least twice, some three times, and most recently, two weeks ago at the BMW PGA Championship, where nearly all the players finished inside the top 15 on that leaderboard. So, yes, it's a lot of ifs and buts. What's this? Ifs and buts, cans and nuts, whatever the case may be. I, I think it's swung too far. The fact that we do not have a competitive Ryder Cup with the visitors really standing a chance. And, look, there's, I don't think there's any way to quantify the effect of the home crowd. Clearly, it's significant, right? Patrick Cantlay may have not gotten, ra- uh, uh, gotten frazzled by what happened on Saturday afternoon, but there has to be some sort of explanation for why the other Americans did not play well. This was not a particularly European setup, so to speak. A lot of these teams are similar uh, in length. They're similar in accuracy. Europe so happens to be uh, better putters. Uh, Europe is slightly better in iron play, but it wasn't like the golf nationale, right, which they really pinched the fairways. They really grew the rough, and the Americans, Tiger Woods, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson had absolutely zero chance. This was not quite that. That leads to me to believe competitive sharpness was a big factor in the home crowd as well. I'm not sure how you could potentially neutralize those uh, to make it, uh, but I think if you were in charge of the Ryder Cup, uh, it would be you would be keen to want to do so. Let's talk Rex individual performances. Who were your MVPs and who were your goats? Uh, I'm glad you've gone back on the whole idea of interrupting me, Doug Ferguson. We'll be pleased that uh, you're back to doing that. Uh, the MVP is going to be interesting as I stare at the board. I'm not staring through the, the video here. I, I really like Victor Hovland's week, and he wasn't perfect. He did lose a match uh, yesterday afternoon. But I do think, and it's interesting, he wasn't asked a question in the press conference, the European team's press conference tonight. So I'm trying to wrap my mind around certainly – I don't know that he was the emotional leader. I don't even know if he was a leader, but certainly he set the standard. I think him and what Aberg did is really impressive when you look at how young they are. And it feels like a changing of the guard. I know I didn't get his name right. You can go ahead and interrupt me on that one. Uh, for the U.S. team, it is interesting, and I'm, I'm actually willing to do it, to capitulate right now. That Look, I said JT should not have been on that team. I didn't feel like he was a statistical fit for this golf course. He's one of the few Americans I felt like showed fire. So – Zach Johnson, tip of the hat to you. <laughs> That's fun that we're going to we're gonna do that forever. From now to the end of time. There's no shortage of hat jokes going on around this place. Um, I, I, JT, I felt like, was pretty good for the American side. I, I don't want to disrespect Patrick Cantlay because, look, everything that's swirling around, everything we don't know, and I'm sure we're going to find out in the coming weeks or, or 
about what may or may not have gone on in the team room. He delivered when he needed to. I mean, had he not done what he did yesterday afternoon, and I'm talking about Saturday afternoon, and gotten that point late in that match, we're not even having this conversation right now. We probably wouldn't even even sit a pot in last night because there was no hope. At least there was a glimmer of hope based on what he did. So I, I think either one of those players would be the American MVP for me. Can you imagine how dire the situation would have been had that not all unfolded on 18? If we were looking at a six or seven point spread heading into Sunday singles, this would have been absolutely, absolutely dreadful. Talking to our friend Doug Ferguson, who does not like uh, when I interrupt you, uh, he said this would be a Ryder Cup with a first paragraph and then not a second. That's exactly what it would have been had we not had all the drama on, on 18 on Saturday. I think you mentioned Patrick Cantlay and – uh, Jamie Weir is a Sky Sports reporter who put it on Twitter, citing several unnamed sources who said that there was a, uh, quote, fractured team room led predominantly by Patrick Cantlay. Boy, to hear all of the players in the team press conference, at least, they they really pushed back against that narrative. Justin Thomas, who is not one uh, uh, for BS or hyperbole, said this was the closest team that he's ever been on. Uh, Brooks Kepka. Once again, not prone to BS or hyperbole, uh, said is the closest team that he has been on in his experience in either the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup. I think it was likely overblown, that narrative. If you look at Patrick Cantlay's uh, personality, look at his friendship with Xander Shoffley. Keep in mind those are the only two players who did not attend uh, the practice session a couple weeks ago at Marco Simone. They've always kind of been not necessarily separate from the team, they kind of had their own click when you also have the Rickies and the JTs and the, and the Speeds uh, who have been together so long uh, and are so close. Uh, that's just sort of a, a natural fit. But I think that was overblown. I think it initially galvanized the American team. And you saw a couple players, Xander, Justin Thomas, uh, who did not don a hat on Sunday singles uh, as kind of a sign of solidarity. But what did you make, you know, with kind of the week to reflect? What did you make? of that situation. I thought Patrick Cantley under the circumstances played phenomenal golf. It's easy to forget that this dude is an absolutely brillant golfer came out in the third match. Uh, one of the Americans absolutely had to have early uh, and beat Justin Rose. Where do you sit on that? Do the Americans have kind of a Cantley problem inside the team room, not just this year, but do you think in years to come, is that a relationship they're going to have to shore up? Uh, I want to start to call this the Sunberg forehead cup because between uh, you and I are a perfect example what you guys are staring at right now on your screens because there's a visual medium is exactly what you kind of ran into this week it was not a good look for JT I'm glad he, he stood in solidarity with Patrick Cantlay I, I will say this for him to perform under those circumstances and I'm not even talking about normal Ryder Cup pressure and that's immense and we talk about it all the time he was heckled very very I mean, just at every turn, it was vicious out there. I can tell you the PGA Tour has a security person here on site. He was here in Rome, and he's normally at PGA Tour events. And that security person was here in Rome to, to be alongside uh, the commissioner, Jay Monahan. He was also here in Rome, and he has become a public figure to the point that they feel like they need to have someone with them all the time. That's a separate conversation. Jay cut him loose to go walk with Patrick today because he knew how difficult it was going to be. You get heckled, you get yelled at at Ryder Cups, but they knew it was going to be next level. And to deliver 
the way he did to deliver with a, a chip on his shoulder, I, I think it shows a different side of Patrick that we probably haven't seen. Is it a problem? Maybe. And I don't even think it. the two sources, and I did this last night, the two sources I talked to said, yes, Cantlay has talked about players possibly being compensated for the Ryder Cup. Again, not the first guy that ever did that. Duvall did it. Omir did it. We, we went over that. It's not a, it what didn't create a rift. It wasn't a distraction. That's Pat. Anyone that knows him, that spends time around him, he's just kind of a different guy. And when you, you sit down and have a conversation with him, it's going to go in some weird directions. And that's kind of what he is. I don't think that was a distraction. It's just I think the team is used to having him there. I think you look at the performance. You look at what he was able to accomplish. Again, under immense pressure, I think he's actually going to become something of, of sort of that rallying you know, pole going forward. You can say, well, he did it, and he had all that pressure on him, so there's no reason I can't do it. Shout out Steve Garcia, uh, Prada Vidra, big barbecue fan, big fan of the pod. Uh, Absolutely going to drop that shout out. uh, Yeah, Yeah. perfect. Absolutely shout out Steve Garcia. I'd like to put two points on the board for Patrick Cantley this week, the way he performed Saturday afternoon and then Sunday singles. uh, Tip of the uh, non-existent cap. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For the Americans, my MVP, answering my own question, was Max Homa, the only player on the American side to go all five matches. I'm not sure I would have put him necessarily even on the short list of players who I would have predicted to go all five. To me, that player was going to be Scotty Scheffler. To me, that player could have been potentially Justin Thomas. It could have been our reigning PJ champion, Brooks Kepka. Instead, it was Max Homa delivering three and a half points. Uh, the real bright spot that I thought delivered once again a crucial point. They knew the Americans had to have a point in that five spot going up against Matt Fitzpatrick and Max Homa was the one who delivered. When it comes to scapegoats or for doing heroes and zeros here, a zero, a big one, a shocking one was Scotty Scheffler. This is now the second consecutive cup in which the world number one did not perform. Scotty Scheffler going 0-2-2 had an opportunity to put a full point on the board in the in the leadoff match against John Rahm and just hit a dreadful shot, uh, his third shot close to the green on the par 5 18th, allowed Rahm to make birdie uh, and steal a half point. To me, that was one of the, 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 the key early moments that foretold trouble for the Americans. They absolutely had to have a full point there in the world number one and did not get it done. We talked about it extensively leading into this Ryder Cup how alarming it was that he had hired a putting coach over the past couple of weeks, Phil Kenyon. He was grinding relentlessly, unmercifully on the practice putting green in the days leading up to it. Missed his press conference by an hour because he was working so hard. He just didn't have it. He didn't have any good chemistry with his partners, even with one of his best friends, Sam Burns. Uh, he and Brooks Kepka got blown off the golf course uh, on the 11th hole, literally the worst foursomes loss in Ryder Cup history. And then he had the disappointing have uh, on Sunday. What do you make of Scotty's week? Because now President's Cup, 
and now the Ryder Cup. I believe that's 0-5-3 his last two cup competitions. For how well he's played this year, I know it's been disappointing. He hasn't quite had the Ws that he uh, expected. Uh, it's certainly a bit of a, a, a stink on his year. I, I would agree with you. That that was such a huge turning moment in that John Rom scotty Scheffler match because if Scotty could have gotten a flag on the board, imagine what that would have done to the 11 guys behind him in that situation. I mean, there's a reason why Zach Johnson put Scotty Scheffler out there first. It, 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 he's easy to pick, and you're right. It's amazing to me that he's world number one, and he's probably going to be voted the PGA Tour Player of the Year and everything else, all the accolades he has. And he has, well, right. I mean, I put odds on it. I mean, who knows? I mean, I think the votes are probably in. Um, Rom's? John Rom, the no. Masters champion, is like the player of the year. No, uh, that that vote has a tendency to be very American focused. It could, it, we could be surprised. Like, look, I, I don't know that, that I could come out wrong. Four wins, I, we Masters. Can, none of the players have won since since, since April. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, that's the issue. Really odd. Uh, I, and I think we talked about this at Eastlake when I talked to players. And, again, this could go either way. We, I, we, I don't really know how the results are going to end up. But I was amazed how many players leaned towards the idea that, man, they really like Scotty's consistency. They know that John Rum has the, the major and has the bigger, you know, has more events on his resume. But they love the way week in and week out it seemed like Scotty was there. And yet this has to be the most miserable year of his career. I mean, to finish out the season this way, has to be really, really tough on him. I will add, and again, this goes back to my JT capitulation, that turns out I think we should have been questioning the Jordan Spieth pick, to be quite frank with you, because he seemed flat. He, he never seemed like he and JT had that magic that we're used to seeing. He didn't he, – he, I found it fascinating in the press conference tonight that he referenced on multiple occasions how many times the Europeans chipped in and made long putts with really, I want to say, jealousy in his eyes, and I'm like, Jordo, man, look yourself in the mirror. That's the definition of your career, chipping in and making long putts. So I, I would kind of put both those guys one and two. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Jordan. Uh, I kind of wrote him coming off the BMW championship. It, it looked like for a while he wasn't going to get in, and then, he, of course, he did end up qualifying uh, for the Tour Championship. He is, to me, Rex, at a, at a crossroads of, of, of his career, and, and he's he's had a lot going on right over the past couple of weeks. He didn't do the scouting trip to Marco Saboni. He and his wife welcomed uh, their second child. I'm not discounting uh, any of that and in, in how it could potentially could have affected some of his participation. But if you look statistically, if you look at results-wise, like he does not have a signature win, and this pains me to say, as a Jordan Spieth truther uh, and, a, and a player who has covered him for a very, very long time, he does not have a signature win in six years. I mean, when he lost in the playoff at the RBC Heritage, it was like, this is a guy who's who's trying to earn his his best win since the 2017 Open. Statistically, he doesn't do anything great anymore. You know, in his heyday, he was a statistically uh, phenomenal uh, ball striker. That kind of, kind of always got overlooked with some of the magic moments and the hole outs and the, the bombs that he would have. But, you know, he was, in his best season, he was second on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach. He's fallen off in kind of every statistical area. And so I'll be curious to see if there's a bounce back for Jordan Spieth in 2024 uh, because this is not the Spieth-like performance that we saw this week, uh, earning just one full point uh, alongside his usual partner, Justin Thomas, who, who I agree. Uh, even if he didn't necessarily show it on the scoreboard with one and a half points, uh, to me, he was one of the best, uh, certainly one, the most passionate American on that roster. Let's talk about heroes for the Europeans. We already touched on Rory. 
uh, putting up four points on the board could have been more, uh, perhaps had Jolikov not been waving his hat at him on the 18th green. But that's beside the point. Uh, Victor Hovland, to me, is playing the best uh, of any player on the planet. Uh, going all five matches uh, and delivering three and a half points was absolutely huge. We talked about that in the preview podcast. The horses absolutely had to show up, and they did. John Rahm uh, earning three points, went unbeaten, went 2-0-3 oh, uh, in this Ryder Cup, I thought was very impressive. And Tommy Fleetwood in Terrell Hatton. This was, this was kind of that second tier of player. We all knew about the big three uh, for the European side, but for those players to step up, I think does bode well. I certainly wouldn't put them as the favorites for uh, Beth Page. I think that, once again, will be another very one-sided affair. But to see that second level of player that needed to step up in the absence of a Sergio, of a Westwood, of a Poulter, uh, I think should be very promising because those guys have several uh, Ryder Cups still ahead of them. I was taken in the press conference listening to Tommy, and he was clearly relishing the opportunity because a lot of other players were asked. There was a couple of opportunities for other players, including Sepp Straka, to clinch the cup, and everybody wants to do that. And every time it would get asked, Tommy would do the very, very funny victory lap thing that, nope, nope, that was me. I'm the one that did it. And you put him in context, and you can't compare him yet. You would not put him in the category next to an Ian Poulter or a Lee Westwood, or certainly a Sergio Garcia when you tr- start talking about the Ryder Cup. But he's starting to get that look about him because he's kind of unassuming. He's not out there pounding his chest like Ian Poulter or certainly Rory McIlroy. But you look how much Rory loves playing with him. You look how much he excels under that moment. He knew that he was the one out there, and it was getting it was ge- getting late early for the Europeans. Like you said, it was a 30-, 45-minute window when – the kind of the air got taken out of the entire golf course. Everybody realized that, oh, this is much closer than we think it needed to be. And it was such a clutch moment, and he's had so many of those that he's walking. I wouldn't say he's there, but he's walking into that territory that I don't know what we want to call him. Let's call him the European Ryder Cup horses that sort of go down in lore and get looked at just a little bit differently, not because of their careers, but because of specifically what they do in these matches. I do love the fact, too, Rex, that we talk all the time about American depth, about the American youth, the college players who are up and coming. If you're a European Ryder Cup fan, if you're Luke Donald, uh, and if you heard the 12 players in the press conference, like they want to see Luke Donald do a repeat a captaincy in two years' time at Bethpage, Europe's got a lot of young stallions who are coming up. I know Ludwig a- uh, Ober uh, did not have... Uh, the best weekend. He, he played extremely well uh, on Friday. Obviously, Saturday morning was the historic route, uh, but then lost on Saturday afternoon uh, and then lost to Brooks Kepka on Sunday singles. He's just 23 years old. Uh, Rasmus Hogard, uh, Nikolai's brother, you could see him being on the European Ryder Cup team. You could see the fact that perhaps Adrian Dumont de Chassard, who uh, was a standout college player at Illinois, has been tearing up the Corn Ferry Tour. The limited starts is going to be on the PGA Tour next year. You could even see Alex Fitzpatrick, Matt's brother, uh, on that European Ryder Cup team uh, in two years' time. It doesn't feel like it, it seemed at Whistling Straits to me like that was the end of an era. Westwood, Poulter, uh, Garcia, even though he played well at Whistling Straits, they were all uh, early to, to mid to late 40s. Uh, their best days were clearly behind them. Someone needed to step up. And I think the future showed this week with flashes, 
of who did. And I actually think in two years' time, you could have even more turnover. I wouldn't necessarily expect that uh, Justin Rose is going to be on that team at 43. He was nearly twice the age of Nikolai Hogard. Uh, I think it could be potentially be a stretch for him. Who knows how Bob, Bob McIntyre's career is going to head. Sepp Straka is 30 years old. Uh, it plays pre- uh, predominantly on the PGA Tour. So I think there's, there's still room potentially on that European team to get even younger, to implement a couple more guys. Uh, but I feel, uh, I think, pretty optimistic if you're a European Ryder Cup fan, uh, that they still have some good days ahead. I don't think it's quite as dire as it initially seemed two years ago. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, let's wrap this up with final thoughts from the week in Rome. It was an exhaustive fortnight for me in Europe. How about for you, Rex, with Bunkmate and, of course, the Ryder Cup? Uh, yeah, I get on a train tomorrow to Florence, so it's going to be enjoyable to kind of break away. Uh, I, I, it is what it, we always know it to be. It's interesting. Like the Masters on Sunday, by and large, you expect an exciting finish. It, but it's not 100%. It's not batting 1,000. Uh, the other majors, you haven't had those recently finish. either, have you, though? No, no, I know. And the other majors, I mean, it's kind of hit and miss. Like some of them are really good and some of them are clunkers. That's just the way it works out. I don't know the last time we truly had a clunker at this particular event. And again, it goes to the idea that even with that spread, even with the Americans facing just a historic hill to climb, somehow they were able to bring a a measure, a modicum, however much you want to say of excitement, of pressure to make the European team think that, Oh, it's not done. We need to finish this off. And I will say that going, looking ahead and you never want to jump too far out out of the moment, but looking ahead to Beth Page with Rory sort of throwing the gauntlet down that we're going to win at Beth Page, it sets the stage for a wildly interesting two years in my mind. Because now all of a sudden you have those. And you have a really, really good core of John Rahm and Roy McElroy and Victor Hovland. And you start adding these bits and pieces. I, I'm If I was the next American captain, and we can speculate later on who that's going to end up being, I don't know how many good nights of sleep I have over the next two years going into Beth Page because I think that one's going to be tough. That's a good take. I appreciate it. For me, what stood out this week, and there was talk, rumbling, rumors, uh, even in some cases reports of Patrick Cantlay's uh, insistence that players who participate in the Ryder Cup get paid. For me, this is the week that I was reminded that I actually think players might actually pay to play in this thing. Uh, I mean, as a media member, it's tough to cover this. We, we don't have the same access to the players that we typically do. Uh, Sunday is a little bit different where you can grab guys, but they're kind of sheltered. And they're kind of cordoned off, and they keep it uh, well within the team room. But it's always interesting to see from the outside how much – it means to them to be a part of a team. This is such an individual, selfish sport. And to see the emotions it elicits, to see the camaraderie that they feel, 
to, to see the genuine joy when they perform and others around them perform and the genuine crushing disappointment when they don't perform uh, is always striking. Uh, it's always a reminder that this is the best event that, there's, that we cover. There's the grief eater. It's just unmanned. I, I, I mean, two years ago, it was Roy McIlroy. This year, it's Scotty Scheffler. It absolutely sucks, I can imagine, to feel like you're not just letting down yourself and your family, but also your teammates and your country. Like, it's just such immense pressure and disappointment on one side, and then you see the, the sheer elation on the other side when it comes to the Europeans uh, for delivering and pulling it off. That's kind of what's going to stick with me from this Ryder Cup. All right. That's going to do it for this final edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav live from the Ryder Cup. Make sure to go to NBCSports.com slash golf. All of our news features, commentary from Sunday night. We'll also have uh, follow material for the next couple of days. We will not have a podcast this coming week, but fear not. We will get an update on Rex and Bunk's European vacation as well as my weekend at home with my family. All right. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening, for clicking, for clicking the subscribe button, for listening, for watching, for reading, for replying to Rex's bad tweets. We'll do it again next time. We appreciate you.